This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, everybody. I'm Seth Busby, editor of Flying Solo. Welcome to our weekly podcast where we step inside the minds and lives of soloists and small business owners. Now, we all know that keeping up with the latest marketing trends is a small business essential. And today's guest has really got you covered. Tom Willis is the chief marketing officer and co-founder of LawPath, but he's also the founder of Marketing Trends, an agency that specializes in keeping the industry informed of the latest fads. And he spent the better part of the last decade helping upskill Australia's marketers and business owners on digital marketing as a lecturer at General Assembly. He joins us today to reveal the must-know marketing trends of 2023 and his top tips for small business owners. Hi, Tom. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me again, Sess. Ah. You're always an excellent guest, so I'm glad to have you back, especially since it's, um, you know, the dust has kind of settled on the new year now and business owners are really starting to think about what's next for the year ahead and getting into the flow of it. And I think just like a business plan, it's probably a good time to reevaluate your marketing strategy, wouldn't it be? Yeah, most definitely. I mean, depending on the type of business that, that you are, you're probably going to work through different peaks and troughs seasonally. For a lot of businesses that deal with other businesses, that's typically you find that December and January are your your slower months. uh, And this is then a period that I think is really best used uh, for for doing a lot of your planning and then then looking to ramp things up as you get kind of later on into into February, March and, and closer into the financial year. But then for really any business, I feel that January feels like a great time leading then into the start of February to to really think about having a bit of a look back at what you did in the previous year, what worked well, what wasn't working as well, and then what are some of the areas that you want to continue to invest in, some things that you want to reallocate and some things that you might want to eliminate from what you're doing as part of your marketing strategy. Mm. Um, So there's so many channels these days for businesses to market to their customers. Like, What do you think they should be doing at a bare minimum? There's a couple of channels that I think are absolutely absolutely core depending I think regardless of, of the, the size of if you've got a marketing budget or if you're just really working with 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 zero the core ones are first and foremost having some way of, of businesses obviously being able to uh, of customers being able to reach you which is going to be having a website having social profiles if you're a local business making sure that you've got all of your local business listings most notably your, your, your Google business listing. They're, they're really key channels in, in, in really dealing with a lot of the, the direct type of, you know, uh, searchable, high intent type of inquiries that, that you're going to get. So people who are in the area know that they're looking for a certain kind of business and can come and find you straight away through those types of means. And then it's really going to come down to what your audience is and also what, what kind of level of, of, of stage of your business are you in? Are you a business that 
has established yourself for, for quite some time where you've got a, a big customer list and it's something that you can look to continue to add value to the existing customers that you have or are you a, are you a newer business where acquisition is at the front of your mind and you're looking to invest then into more acquisition channels and then and then for a lot of people then coming into that it becomes where am I going to be looking? Am I going to be looking into, from like a digital perspective, am I going to be looking into more of my awareness and, and really targeting the demographics of individuals through things like social advertising, whether that be on Facebook or Instagram or YouTube or TikTok, or is it something that I'm looking more in, in, in the realms of high intent where, where people are actively seeking out services like my, mine, which is where you, you would go down the path of search engine marketing. So it, it, it's it's dependent on the type of business that you have, uh, and and there's there's a couple of really interesting trends that, that that we're seeing right now in how businesses I suppose are shifting their mix, which um which I'm happy to go into now if if that works. Yeah, for sure. I would like quite to unpack a few of the things that you've just spoken about, though. Yeah, sure. Maybe first, which is like. Firstly, that local piece. I mean, I think that's something that quite often business owners forget about in all of the the flurry to, you know, set up the website, get the social posts happening. They forget about that that local marketing element and kind of being a part of a community and making sure that you're front of mind in in your your local community. So can we talk a bit more about how they can achieve that, not just maybe through their Google listing, but what else they might be looking to do? Yeah, most definitely. The the the, the core of, of, of how this has worked for businesses for a long time now is really ensuring that you've got uh, a lot of what we call NAP citations, which stands for name, address, and phone number citations. And really what that is, is uh, multiple areas across the World Wide Web where you, you have consistently listed what your business name is what your current uh, verified address is and what your phone number is and and getting a real consistency in that formatting of how that's presented. And so what a lot of businesses will do, of course, they'll do their Google My Business listing. That's that's an easy one to, to, to tick off. But where a lot of businesses are, are seeing success in really being able to augment it and, and, and maximize that from both their Google business listing and then just wider listings is going and finding directories that are relevant to, to their organization and, and ensuring that they're doing the same thing in, in listing on those directories. Very easy ones to get done there are all of your social media accounts. So ensuring on all of your, your Facebook account, your Instagram account, that you're ensuring that the way that you're, you're mentioning your name, address, and phone number is consistent. They're very easy ones to build. There's probably going to be industry-specific directories that you want to look at as well. And then there's, of course, a lot of local directories as well that you can go after depending on, on, on the type of business that you've got. And so that gives you a good, consistent uh, ability for, for search engines to see your business and say, okay, this business is found in lots of different areas where the information is, is consistent. So I can have some sort of knowledge that that is, is correct and that this, bus this business is still running and trading and it's actively working in that, that area. And then something that's becoming consistently more valuable through this is, is the collection of reviews. And obviously with reviews, it's, it's trying to ensure that we're getting good quality reviews where we're getting, uh, you know, five-star reviews as much as we possibly can. And this is something that I'm finding with what a lot of businesses are now trying to bring into their marketing mix is that they're trying to 
collect reviews through through the existing means of what they have through through whether that's through email marketing or at the completion of, of a service and they're really looking to build up a really strong repository there which is really helping businesses in in their local search engine optimization as well because mm, that would also build all of that trust piece that that is so important to consumers these days yeah mo- most most definitely and I think that it's, it's really interesting that when you talk about reviews, I think everyone thinks that they need, you know, a thousand five-star reviews. But I know there's there's a lot of different review companies that have had a look at what really the sweet spot is in, in your reviews. And they find that typically between the 4.5 to 4.7 out of 5 is where there is the most trust that's built with consumers, which is, I think, a really interesting point that, you know, if you get, if, if, you, if you're in that kind of a ballpark, then that looks like things are authentic, that you're actually getting genuine reviews. And so I think, you know, we probably all see this ourselves. If you see a business has 2,000 five-star reviews and everyone thinks they're perfect, that's just generally not the way the world works. So it's it, it's usually seeing a little bit of imperfection there that probably brings a little bit of trust in into us as a consumer as well. Mm. Now, let's step back to that SEM piece that you were talking about in the SEO um, the trends that you were seeing emerging. What what is it that you're seeing coming yeah. out of 2023? Yeah, so I've spoken to a lot of different marketing leaders across both bigger businesses and smaller businesses and where they're looking to invest coming into the new year. And for a lot of the ones that I'm talking to, whether they're the ones where they're the ones executing the work themselves or whether they're as part of a marketing team is that they're seeing that the budgets are typically reducing for a lot of their businesses and that there's a lot more investment that's being put into, well, we're really trying to focus on revenue generation as opposed to wider brand awareness pieces or marketing sources that are more difficult to attribute. So with that in mind, you're seeing quite a big shift back from businesses into things like Google Ads very much focusing on a what we would call like a, a last click attribution, where essentially what that means is that businesses and business owners can have a look at the, the final click that uh, has come from a, from a channel, whether that's from paid search or from an email campaign, the last source that actually brought somebody through to your website before they purchase, and they're attributing a lot more back to those channels to say, okay, well, these are the ones that actually brought me me the revenue. And and, and in a world where budgets are tighter, that that seems for a lot of people to be the, 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 the common approach where they can say, well, I can straight away see where I'm getting a return from these channels, where with other channels, whether that be video marketing, a more awareness style of pieces, it might be more difficult to actually make that attribution. So we're seeing a bigger shift from businesses to right saying, all right, where can I straight away see the return of investment from what I'm spending? Mm. So it's so important then that business owners be looking at that data and, and there is so much data these days. Yeah, most most definitely. They're, they're trying to keep really close to the data that's coming through. And I think that that, that comes from both the, as you said, there's, there's a lot of different sources from that. So all of our, our different marketing channels, whether we're using Google Ads or Facebook Ads, whether we're using Google Analytics, we, we will be able to find those, those different data pieces in there and, and, and try to make sense then of, yeah, what, what kind of attribution that, that we are getting. 
I think that uh, one of the things that I'm, I'm very big on for businesses who are moving into the world of like social media advertising or even Google advertising does a lot of this now. YouTube advertising does as well. And what I'm referring to here is lead generation ads. And what's great about a lead generation ad is that you actually get the contact information of the person who is coming through to your business. And it's a fantastic um, source of, of marketing and, and lead generation that can be had particularly for service businesses. So that means that you can then see, okay, how many of these email addresses did I collect? Can I then find in my transaction database, whether that's, you know, just through the purchases that you're seeing or the, or the invoices that you're putting out to be able to make that direct, direct attribution. Hmm. So if we're a new business, should we be focusing our marketing more on brand awareness or be going straight for that lead gen? It's a really good question. I think that you probably with any new business, there's the, there is an aura of needing to do brand awareness. And if you're a local business, I think that what a lot of local businesses have had great success from what I've seen is that, you know, running open days and having something as a way of being able to tie back, whether that's like a waiting list or a registration of interest to then actually being able to say, well, okay, now the doors are on and I'm starting to trade and they've built themselves into having uh, a, a bit more of a predictable type of first month in, in, in what's coming through from there. So I think if you've got the time to afford to be able to do some sort of a, a, a launch piece, that can be really beneficial because that means that you can you can really set yourself up from the start. I think it's very difficult for businesses nowadays to just open their doors and then just say, okay, well, I'm just going to wait here now and, and, and see what happens there unless you're in a high foot traffic area unless there's a, a level of interest around what you're doing, it, it's going to be a bit more difficult to succeed there. So I think that there needs to be an investment into, into awareness for sure, but that that doesn't necessarily need to just be, well, I'm going to spend a bunch of money on on, on video advertising or, or brand advertising or, you know, running uh, ads, ads on the radio because I can actually, with creating a little bit of interest, I can actually then have something that's measurable. And, and whether that's through the lead generation ads that I've talked about, whether that's through if you're if you're running social media, setting up an Instagram page and, and ensuring that you're engaging with people in the area or, or in the industry that you're you're wanting to, to 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 have a look at you once you're once you're open. And I think that can again bring you in a, a bit more of a predictable type of, of um, market to go after as well. So I think it's that 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 combination of using awareness, but then putting a little bit of data behind that so that You've got, you've, you've got something to be able to measure against. Mm. And, and when it comes to social media, I mean, there's so many channels. I think it's quite easy for business owners to get overwhelmed. So what are some tips that you might have for them in terms of um, where they should focus their social media? Yeah, I think that it, it generally, my, my first tip always here is pick, Pick one channel and, and and really focus on on doing well on on that one channel. There's always the opportunity with that one channel that you're working with to transpose the content that you're creating onto different channels. But you, you generally want a bit of a flagship channel that you're really you're you're really working with. And 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 by having that, you can then say, okay, well, I'm going to spend my time on this channel, not just creating content specifically for it, but also looking to do a degree of engagement on that channel. I think this is something that a lot of people miss when, when they're entering the world of social media. They expect that they can put out some, some clever content. If they get their hashtags right, people are going to find it and then things are going to really 
take care of themselves. And on some of the channels, like I look at something like YouTube, that that might be something where you can have a little bit of success if you if you, if you if you work out the right formula. But on the majority of channels, there's also a real emphasis on you as a business to ensure that that people are finding out about you through you actively reaching out. And so, if I look at a channel like Instagram as an example, a great way of me being able to to, to do that is if I'm in a local area, I can have a look at what are some of either the big businesses in my local area where I feel like their follower base is going to be very similar to what I'm looking to generate. I can follow places. I can follow certain hashtags and actually have a look at what people are posting in, in those certain realms and then being able to look to create some engagement with them, whether that's you know asking questions, the comments, following their profiles, messaging their profiles. And that then gives you a, a way of then being able to you're doing a little bit of the of the lifting to say uh, really liking the content that you're putting out there or you, 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 you might be interested in what I'm putting out and then that at least creates a little bit of awareness for them to go back, have a look at you and then hopefully your content will will speak for itself. So making sure you know that, that first and foremost, as I said, you're focusing on that single channel, you're putting out content that's relevant to the channel. Um, so resolutions are right, that you've got your copy in order, that you, you're really making sure that you're creating something that's a, that's a unique look that you can then be consistent with as well. But then ultimately, I think that that level of engagement is probably the part that a lot of people miss that is a really important part of the equation. Hmm. And I like that idea of, you know, dropping in on the other business owners in their area, because I think that's kind of um, a piece that is often neglected, that that you don't always have to pay for your marketing, do you like word of mouth and the and partnerships and things like finding another business that you could partner with is is often a good option. Absolutely, you know, I, I can think of a an example without naming names that I've seen recently of a of a business that went through a uh, a bit of a, a renovation and, and construction, and the business had shut down for a period, and and during and during that time. Uh, they they found that another business was 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 reaching out to to the members of of this organisation. It was a gym, and the gym wasn't running, and they had no plans in the foreseeable future to open again. So it actually became an opportunity for this gym owner to to basically say, well, there's people who are who are in the area, and uh, I, I'm just basically putting it out there that I'm in the same location as you, and you know, this might be a very easy kind of translation across and, uh, you know, providing that you're doing that in an, in an ethical way where you're not, you know, completely undercutting the business that you're working with, but just finding a solution that adds value to those consumers. It can be, it can be a really uh, convenient thing for the consumers and a, and a really effective way for you to being able to give your business a boost. Mm. And you don't always have to have a big budget, do you, to make your marketing work well? You like can start scrappy and you know still get some big wins. Absolutely, I think that in the, in the way that I think that a lot of marketers have been thinking, in particular, I'd say post post COVID and and and, and during during COVID, there was there was a bit of a I saw a big shift into investment into into marketing dollars in where where my, my background is, which is in which is in tech businesses, and I felt that it, it was probably creating some areas where we were throwing money at problems as opposed to really thinking through the problems that we have and actually feeling a way of being able to 
act on those just through more cost-effective means and through, and through better execution. And so there's there's so many ways that you can you can grow a business that doesn't have to be through just having having a marketing budget. And so you know we've already talked about a few of those pieces that you can do through through outreach. I think that if you're having a look in the realms of, of video channels and, and and ones where discoverability is quite high, I, I think about something like YouTube as an example. You can really get started and, and, and grow a really strong business through YouTube by just targeting the, the the right type of searches that businesses are looking for, putting out some content. The content quality doesn't have to be something that costs very high production values, particularly in the start. Something that you can most likely do with your mobile phone, and you can edit it with free software, and you can build yourself a, a real repository of, of, of content there. And and that makes again when people are searching for those types of videos, they're finding you, they're they're, they're learning more about your business, and 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 then basically things look after themselves from there. The same applies in the world of content marketing with 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 blog writing and articles, and and that same level of discoverability as well. So. If you're willing to put in that effort, you can you can really get some some strong returns. But I think a big part of that says that a lot of businesses fail on a little bit here, and, and I can probably empathize why they fail is that they they're not overly consistent in their approach. They'll start and say, okay, I, I, I put out a video or I wrote three blog posts and didn't really see anything from it, so it's it's not worth my time and I'm going to stop. And I think that. One of the things that you you really need to commit yourself with with doing this is don't try to measure the outcome in the early stages. Just really focus on the process and, and getting the process to a position where you're really comfortable with it and you feel like it's improving. Otherwise, if you're focused too much on the outcome, you're, you're never going to get anywhere. You're never going to get to a level of consistency where these types of channels become substantial for you. Mm. It's hard, isn't it? Because we live in this instant gratification world where there's these quick fixes for everything. But to to grow an audience and to get that engagement, it does take some consistent, sustained effort on the part of a business owner. Yeah, most most definitely. And you'll talk to you talk to any anybody in in that content space. They will often tell you that the that they could put out ten pieces of content. The, the nine that they thought would do really well don't and then one takes off and and, and, it, and it really becomes something where it, it, it's really strength in numbers. And particularly, I think, in the early days of, of when you're trying to get started here, it becomes something where obviously quality is important, but you've got to make sure that you've got a consistency with your quantity to just make sure that you're, you're, you're building something that's meaningful and that and that bit by bit you're working out what your audience wants and, and with those things that they want, you can look to refine and, and, and look to grow. So I think that it would be something that if if you were to give every every business owner really an objective with these, it would say instead of you thinking straight away of how much it's gonna it's gonna improve things in terms of inquiries or, or web traffic or purchases, you would just say, let's focus first and foremost on just really build building this into a habit, building it into a muscle that we can just continue continue to grow and improve. Hmm. That's such great advice, Tom. We'll be back with more from Tom in just a moment. We're just going to take a little break. And we're back with Tom and we're talking all things marketing for small business. Now, Tom, I'm keen to unpack a bit more that um, that 
maybe buyer persona kind of side of things because I think we're talking about, um, you know, making content for our audiences, but you really need to know who your audience is, don't you? Yeah, most most definitely. And I, I think admittedly when, when I first made my way into the industry, this is something that I probably didn't give enough credit to. And what I found myself often doing was I could build quite a good acquisition engine and then I would try to work my way backwards into then saying from the people that I'm acquiring, the customers that I'm getting through, who is actually my my ideal customer. But I'll tell you, 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 you it's an expensive exercise and, and, and it's quite a time-intensive exercise as well to getting to that point. So I think where I, I think that business owners starting off nowadays where, where they would be better spent of their time is first and foremost really understanding who that buyer persona is and this doesn't have to be something where straight away you've got all of the answers. You can you can base a few things off, off gut feel and assumptions and you can leverage the data that you've got as much as possible. One of the things that I think was really great advice that, that uh, I was given as, as, as part of doing this was when you have a look at the first 10 customers that you've got through, try to find some, some commonalities with them and then feel working your way through that feel if that's going to be something that you can then feel like you can really scale and, 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 and consistently look to grow upon. So is it something around the, the industry that they're in? Is it, is it their age? Is it things like uh, are they parents? What is their location? And, and, and trying to find some commonalities within the data sets that you've got to really then work out, okay, I've got a clear idea of who I'm going to look up, go after now. And that isn't just about targeting in terms of the channels that you go after. The really key part of that is, is the messaging and, and, and how you convey yourself and how you position yourself versus what else might be up out there. So if you know, if you look in into really any industry, there's usually a, a plethora of different options that a, that a buyer has. And, and within that, there's usually going to be market leaders. So, you know, we talked about gyms just before. If we're again talking about gyms in the fitness industry, you've got all of your big global chains that you're running. It's going to be very difficult for you to just say, well, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a gym and I, I'm better than these gyms because either I'm cheaper or I've got, I've got better equipment. Where that becomes advantageous for you as, as, a, as a gym owner might be actually then saying, well, I'm targeting a, a certain type of persona. I'm saying that this is a, a gym that's specifically for mums in, in the ages of, of, of 30 to 55 and they, they are looking to have more energy to, to, to juggle working and, and looking after kids and I'm going to base my messaging, the pain points that I'm trying to solve and how I really connect with with these people based on that message, and then when people in that in that buyer persona see that, they say, "Oh wow, this is actually a better option for me because it's something that really speaks to my specific problems, as opposed to tarring me with the same brush as everyone else." Mm, so being really kind of specific about the value that you're bringing and who you are and what you do. Yeah, most most definitely. I think I think just in today's today's world, we just so many different offerings and really there's noise in every every industry and there's so many options at, for a consumer. So if you can really refine what that offering is, you're you're, you're going to really stand out. 
Mm. So what about if, say, you're in a trade, for example, where um, there is very little difference between you, the guy that comes and fixes the dishwasher, and the next person that comes and fixes the dishwasher? Is it more about then that kind of authenticity piece or testimonials or what is it that will kind of help you stand out in that case? I think that testimonials for sure are, are going to work really, really well. And I mean, I can speak from my own personal experience when, when engaging with anyone from a, from a trade perspective, I, I would look at that straight away to see if they've got the track record in, in trying to help improve uh, and fix what, what, what I'm looking to do. And then I think it would be, you, you probably see through the customers that you talk to. And, and I think if you were in a trade, you've obviously got a lot of very good qualitative feedback that you're getting from your customers in, in, in understanding, all right, what, what's making me stand out here? Is it because I, I'm communicating really well? I'm being, I'm being honest in, 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 how I, in, in how I'm really outlining what, what the issue is here. I'm being, I'm being upfront. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of going over and then saying, okay, these are then the next steps that you need to, to need to consider. So you're future proofing things at the same time. And then that becomes something that you can then really work into your advantage. So that could be something where you're focusing on some sort of uh, actual element of your service, whether that's something to do with, with price or customer service or subject matter expertise. And then, and then that also could be done to a degree then on, on the industry that you're going after. And if you were doing something like fixing the dishwasher, it might be, uh, I fix the dishwasher specifically in, in tiny kitchens or, or galley kitchens or, or something where it's, it, it, it's very specific. It might be, I'm a specialist at being able to do this in, uh, you know, high concentration apartments or, or commercial buildings. So that, that, that there's a ways that you can really then be able to make that specific for what you're looking after. And I can tell you right now, someone who, who uh, is, owns an office and that we have different things that pop up, if we look for a trade and I find straight away that somebody who's specialised in working in commercial uh, commercial properties, straight away it's just, okay, well, this feels like it's going to be an option where they've been there, done that, they know, they know what they're working with. Mm, so highlight your expertise as much as you can. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so what about... Um, we've talked a bit about if they're a new business, but what if they're an existing business and they're wanting to really work on nurturing those customers? What are some tactics that would be good for them? So the first thing would be first and foremost in terms of nurturing, and this is something, says that I find so many, particularly solopreneurs missing, is that they're focusing on bringing in new business and they probably don't ask enough of their existing customer base, people who have been customers of their before, they they sit back and they wait for them to to, to really reach out to them again, which they, they may do, but it can be as simple and, and, and something that might be a really good thing for a business to do at the start of this year is it's the start of the year, a lot of people are now back from, from school holidays. If you can then reach out to your existing customer base and say, Hey, I'm I'm back now. I know. We, I hope you've all had a, a great holiday break. And if you're looking to to do any of the different work that I provide, whether I'm a service uh, that, that that's dealing with other businesses or I'm, I'm dealing with consumers, reaching out and saying I've got some I've got some availability now, but I'm just trying to work on how my first few months look like. 
if you've got any 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 work that you need done, please reach out to me ASAP and, and I can look to, to book that in as part of my schedule. And that just really helps for you to be able to then say, I, I'm here and put yourself front of mind and then and then you you might be catching people at that time of then saying, you know what, actually I do have something coming up or I've got something on right now that I that I'm looking to fix. So from a nurturing standpoint, that that's the that's the obvious one that you would go after straight away and that I think that really heavily gets missed. And you can really add a personal touch to that that because you you've been the one who's who provided that service, there's a lot of trust that's built in with you as the individual and, and, and you'll find that you can get some some tremendous results in doing that. So I think that's a, that's a really important part. The next stages of that would then being able to build out more of a nurturing piece where you're able to do some more regular communication pieces. And so this can be very dependent on your business. A lot of businesses like to send newsletters, which I think is as really a basis point is a really good starting where you're just saying, here's what's going on in my space. I'm sending this out on usually a monthly cadence of, of, of what's going on. And that, again, ensures and allows you to be able to continue to, to, to keep front of mind. I would say that from the approach that I've found is it, it, it's better to, to have this approach of, I suppose, being being quite passive in how we nurture people in that way, as opposed to what I see, I think a lot of businesses fall down the, 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 the path of is just offer, offer, offer. I'm on special again. Uh, it's it, it's mm-hmm. another sale that I've got going on. And you will get great success with that in the short term. And so you might want to use that as something that you're doing once off, maybe once or twice a year. But once you go down that path, you're really setting a buyer behavior that then becomes quite a difficult thing to come back from where you won't get those natural reach outs the way you once might have because people are waiting for that 20% off or, or, or whatever that, that promotion entails. So I, I think it's better for you these days to focus on helping your customers, providing them with information that then hopefully reciprocates from their side into them needing your your services again. Hmm. What about if you're an e-commerce business? Because kind of some of those emails, I think, get triggered automatically. Is it is it uh, less about those automatic emails, like maybe switching them off and maybe taking a more personalised approach to people that might have bought with you online? Yeah, that's that's a good point. I think if you're if you're an e-commerce business, it, one thing that I think you I would say for for that test is that you probably want to have a bit of an idea of strategically what you want to be as a business and how often do you want to do diff, different types of of discounting. And and something that I would look at really closely into there is 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 not tarring everyone with the same brush once again and and making sure that we're we're segmenting our, our audiences based on, on the different types of behaviours that we see. So you might feel really comfortable in being able to offer a really dormant client that you, you've had that's never come back to you over 12 months or, or even more so, a, an offer that is maybe a little bit of a deeper discount and you might say, well, I'm going to offer you 25% off and free shipping as a way of being able to bring you back. But you, you, you probably want to look at segmenting the different audiences that you have and making sure that then that makes sense because what I see a lot of businesses doing as part of that is they go down this 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 real this real discount path and whether that's through the automations that their e-commerce software is setting up or it's just something that they're actively doing and a lot of the time they're they're discounting to buyers who in any event would have would have purchased and, and often mm. would have purchased on either 
just their own accord or, or just having a, a prompt of something that might be more of a value add in terms of content, new ranges, maybe may something to do around actually, you know, where the product was sourced. So I think you, you, you need to be mindful of, of, of really being able to group and saying, well, I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable in being able to offer a discount to these users because right now I'm getting zero value from them and I might never again. So let, let, let's go down the approach of, of, of offering them something greater. Uh, and, and this really ties back to you know, a, a very common retention framework, which looks uh, really at the, the recency of how recently you've reached out to a customer and how recently they've purchased from you, the frequency, how, how frequently they've purchased from you, and then also the monetary value of them. And, and you can use these three in a little bit of a matrix to then work out, I'm going to offer a certain thing to someone who high monetary value, but I haven't seen in a long time versus someone who has a high monetary value, but I see quite regularly. And I'm going to treat those a, a little bit differently to, to really maximize how much profit I'm actually bringing into the business. Hmm. Yeah, I saw this thing on TikTok recently and someone had uh, contacted the business owner and they were cancelling their order because, like, I guess, economic times, they just changed their mind and they didn't want their order anymore. And the business owner was like, hey, I've looked at my database. I see you've bought with us, you know, five times before. You're a really valued customer. Um I know you've cancelled your order, I'm going to refund your money, but I'm going to send you that order anyway because I want you to know how how much mm. I value you. And from posting that, that business owner just also then got flooded with all these new orders of people going, can't believe she did that and what amazing customer service. So, yeah, it was just a very interesting thing to see yeah. kind of unfold. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's it's something that I often see when when businesses are doing whether they're subscription businesses and they're dealing with members or their yeah high high value e commerce companies and they're looking at their high value uh, client tiers. Yeah, again, talking about this tiring everyone with the same brush. You know, if you've got somebody who comes through with a with a refund request or a cancellation request, it's it's just great to have that little bit of context to be able to then say well, this is someone who's really near and dear to me and they must just be doing it tough. And it's it's something mm. that I, I feel like through actually helping them there, you can probably build a bit of a personal relationship with them as well that actually is really going to put you in great stead for moving forward. There's, there's nothing like a personal relationship when it comes to customer retention to really hold, hold things on. You can think about that through your own business, right? It's very easy for me to to go ahead and cancel my Amazon Prime subscription, it's a lot more difficult for me to to go to my local yoga studio where I, I, I know the, the, the teacher very well and say, I'm sorry, I, I need to cancel because I can't afford it. It, it, mm. it becomes, it, it's very different because you know you're affecting them personally versus when it's with Amazon, it's obviously quite faceless. Yeah, it's so true. <laughs> <laughs> um. Now, I think I've probably only got time for maybe one more question, so I might take it right back to the beginning where you were mentioning having been chatting with a bunch of other businesses, big and small, and the kind of trends that you've seen emerging. We spoke a little bit about one of those trends, but what else have you seen? What else do you think is going to be happening in 2023? Well, as you as you can probably imagine, Seth, there's, there's a, lot of, a lot of noise at the moment about AI. That's where a lot of, of people are, are investing their time. Uh, have you have you had a go at using ChatGPT or any of these yeah. solutions? 
Yeah, yeah. I actually, um, it's, you know, there's so many people going, ah, oh my God, it's the end of the world, especially people in that kind of the copywriting space or anything. But even I was talking to Kate Toon about it and she's kind of like, you know, it's it's not a, fin- a, a tool that will finesse your marketing and give you this fantastic thing. It, it's something you can use for brainstorming and it's great for businesses in that, you know, 10 social media posts, some content ideas, whack it out. It will, yeah. it will do that sort of stuff for you. But if you're, you're wanting something more finessed, well, you're still going to get a copywriter. You're still going to get yes. the social media person. So I think, you know, it's like when Dali came out, mm-hmm. all the artists were going, ah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> am I going to print something off from Dali or am I going to buy a beautiful painting that I've seen yeah. in a gallery? Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, yeah. And but, I do think it's a useful tool for small businesses, though, moving forward. That that and that's exactly I think that the mentality that that, that small business owners and 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 really marketing professionals need to take with with using with using AI. So where I, I think that a lot of businesses are really excited is that it, it's allowing the 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 work of a, of a of a contributor to a business. So doing copywriting, content writing. There's, there's great uses in the ways of things like content strategies and, and search engine optimization. It, it really, it, it's augmenting their ability to execute. And I think that that's a really, really exciting thing about it that people people should really embrace that I can now go and I can, I can write up, you know, a multitude of briefs, thousands of different content briefs, and just then put my own take on my knowing of the industry, what needs to then actually be added and improved on these briefs to then get them going. But it does that heavy lifting of getting started. And I think that for a lot of people, particularly for if you're if you're a small business owner, you're context switching so much. And the the the, the last thing that you would want to do at the end of the day after putting out your quotes, dealing dealing with some customer issues, maybe dealing with something with your employees. Is then going. All right, I've got to do a couple of social media posts, and I, I need to I need to think about the right words to use here. And you, you're going on Google and getting the thesaurus out, and you're trying to work things out. And if you can just you use a service such as a ChatGPT or an AI solution here, it can just get you started there. And then saying, all right, I've got something now to work with that then I can look look to refine and and really really make my own. So that's a really really exciting thing for marketers of big industries and small industries and how that's going to be used. I think one of the things that will be interesting to see once this gets going is what that does in terms of the, you know, we're already in an area where there's so much clutter and and, and, and different bits of communication and information being thrown at us. When we now add that a lot of that's now being done by AI as well, that's going to be a really interesting thing to see is what then needs to, to, to cut through from what is more and more noise. So that's going to be an interesting thing to, to, to look at. I think it also gives a lot of marketers the ability to go further down into journey personalization. So we're talking about nurturing customers before. If you've now got the ability for using AI to, to, to write the content for you, to think of what the frequency of what you're sending should be, that gives you a really great opportunity to then say, well, 
because I'm not having to invest as much time in doing this creation piece, I can I can be a bit more sophisticated in how I can do this. I I can separate out different behavior types, my my frequent purchases from my not so frequent purchases, and I can create communication specifically for them because I've just added all of this time to my day to be able to do that. So that's a really really exciting piece, and I think you know where where AI goes with that's really really exciting. I, I've just heard that that Google's looking to be really close to releasing their own solution for this, and we think about how Microsoft's now looking to integrate OpenAI into into a lot of their services as well. It's very excited to see how these are going to continue to help uh, augment the, the the ability for us to be able to to execute. So the, the one other other trend that I would bring up that we haven't really touched on just yet is around uh, influence marketing and partnership marketing. And this is an area that a lot of businesses are investing quite heavily into coming into the new year that maybe they, they, they've thought a little bit less about. But I think it's quite reasonable and logical to see that because you think that a lot of businesses now we talked about, they're looking to potentially reduce marketing budgets. They're looking to try to see straight away an attribution from where they're spending and being able to then work with businesses and, and individuals who can refer those, those types of customers straight over for you and then you to be able to pay some sort of a referral commission for, that, that seems a very, very obvious approach that we are seeing. And, and it's probably part of uh, a, a bigger piece that, you know, uh, a lot of businesses are considering right now that is there's so much value in 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 a community and, and, and a content community and the influence that that has when it's then translated into businesses is, is really really powerful you look at you know it that makes sense why kim kardashian you know partnered up with a uh, a venture capital firm at the end of last year because she could say well I know with that with that type of backing and the influence that I have, we can probably get some really fantastic deals underway, and I can really turbocharge uh, and, and any businesses that are, that are that are looking to do that. And you can see that with with a lot of these these uh, social media influences and 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 seeing where that personal influence is then being translated into business. So. Outside of that, it's it's again video is an area that everyone's again looking to leverage, and I think that with again with AI, that's going to be a really interesting thing to explore. But uh, I, I got to say, so I think it's probably the most exciting year in marketing that I can remember to date. I think there's going to be some of the changes in the industry are really I think going to democratize marketing in a lot of ways. Not that it already wasn't to a degree, but I think that we're going to see the level, the base level really, really pick up and it's really going to mean that businesses uh, are really thinking outside of the box and getting quite creative to stand out. Mm, I do think you're right about that. Like even when you you think of chat GPT, that's services like that have been available for some time to big businesses, mm. you know, with things like Hello Scribe or whatever. So it's, it is democratising it. It is like suddenly... Small businesses will have the ability to use these features that are just going to help free up some time for them to focus on other things that are really important as well. So, yeah, yeah, exciting times. Yeah, it's good. It's very good. Mm-hmm. I, I'm also interested in the ACCC regulation changes in terms of influencer marketing, what kind of impact that might have. Mm. But <laughs> that's to be seen, I yes. guess. I guess we'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. Thank you, Tom. It's great talking to you as always. Um, I'm sure I'll ask you back for another chat later in the year. So keep your phone on the ready for my call. <laughs> <laughs> no worries at all. Thanks for having me, Sis. Thank you. Bye.